0: So one of the things that, uh, I've always wanted to ask you and something that I have been asked a lot in my own writing is, uh, people come up to me at different motorcycle rides or particularly different events and ask about how we've gotten to where we're at, how we've, uh, how, I mean, whether it's about, uh, kind of the level that we're at riding or whatever, and, uh, we or net or maybe the speed that we ride at or different things like that and uh i always have a hard time answering that question because people sometimes uh they 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 expect a a specific answer or something so that's something i wanted to ask you about being my dad is how have you experienced that whole process of the last 20 years just riding motorcycles together
1: well when i think about it um I actually think back on my own upbringing as far as my, you know, what I did or didn't do as far as motorcycling and I didn't grow up riding and racing. And you see that a lot, you know, you see a lot of professional motocross, supercross racers, off-road racers, and they always say, Oh, I grew up and my dad raced. So I just naturally went to the races with him. And actually in our case, that was not the situation. I didn't, although I grew up around motorcycles a little bit, which I can talk a little bit more about later, but I didn't grow up riding and racing necessarily. So for us, um, when I think about it, uh, it, it really just, we, well, we've talked about it. We, we, I always had an interest in motorcycles. Um, shortly after I got married, got a, got a motorcycle. I, I mean, I had ridden some in my youth and then, um, when we started having our family and you guys got old enough to ride, um, you know, I, I got you, you a little PW50 and started riding, but we never uh, really started with the intention of racing, even though you did a little tiny bit of racing on the on the PW50. It was more about just an opportunity to go out at the desert or just go out to the track and ride around a little bit. And I think it just naturally evolved because you just get in that environment and you start to meet more people who enjoy the same hobby. And then, you know, (laughs) one thing leads to another and all of a sudden you find yourself going to a race. And so that's exactly what happened. I mean, you did a handful of races on your PW, both motocross as well as off-road, but it was never a real serious effort. It was just purely if there was a, if there was a race at our local track or a couple of off-road races that we tried to do. And then in a span of, you know, a a matter of, I don't know, three, four years, I'd say when your brother started getting a little bit older, um, that just kind of naturally evolved, but the root of it all was really just going out and riding motorcycles out and having fun. That's always been, that's always been our, our motto.
0: Because you're, I mean, between Kobe, Benji, and myself, you have all three of us compete um, in, a, in the A class or double A class at a lot of off-road events now. And so somebody could, if they're raising their own son or daughter riding, they often, uh, they could easily, I mean, look to you for maybe what you did. Because that's something that I've really just always struggled with is when, when people ask me or, I've, I I always have a really hard time with the, with the classic moto dad and, and it's so hard to describe to people that that's so far opposite of what I experienced growing up. And yet we had, um, I mean, results that people might want to, to replicate. But I think that where a lot of people go wrong is when like, it wasn't ever, it wasn't anything that we ever like set out to do as far as like some benchmark that we were going to hit. It was never, that was never the goal. The goal was always to just go have fun.
1: Yeah. And I've get, I've been asked the exact same question. I know you've been asked it a lot too. And I don't want to convey that being sort of the stereotypical moto dad is necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying that going and getting training and getting coaching and getting, you know, let's be honest. I mean, that's a lot of what you do because there's people that have an interest in that. And I, so I'm certainly not saying that that's a bad thing. That's just simply not the path that we took right or wrong. That's not the path that we took necessarily. So, uh, and the other thing is, is I think it's really easy at, at this age when, or stage when my boys are all adults and writing at that level to think that they've always been like that. Um, you know this because you grew up in our family and with brothers, but not everybody had the same level of passion about riding motorcycles, um, all the time at the same time. So for example, uh, you know, I honestly, I th- yours, I don't feel like ever wavered that much. Um, but you know, we all, myself included, your brothers kind of went through phases or stages where, for other reasons, whether it's hobbies, interests, whatever, they, they just kind of fluctuated a little bit in their interest and then sort of came back around to, no, this is actually what I really like doing. And, and I'm actually really, you know, pretty decent at it. So I want to continue with it. And so because of that, um, that's what really makes it fun now, because I feel like as a father, I never, and you guys might beg to differ, but I feel like I never pressured, uh, you to do a certain thing or perform at a certain level or threatened you with, you know, taking your bike away or anything like that. Um, I remember plenty of years or seasons where not everybody raced every race and, uh, it was just those that wanted to. So that would be my advice would be, don't think that just because you are getting, you have goals or you have, you want to do some training with your son or daughter that's not a bad thing but the common denominator in all of it is keep keep it focused on the fun aspect i had a thought just as you were asking that question um you know you grew up idolizing guys like Destry Abbott David Pearson some of these other off-road heroes and Destry Abbott's always been a really good example to me as a rider the way he interacts with his his fans his family, but if you think about his son, uh, Cooper Abbott, who rides at a factory level today for Sherco in in Enduro Cross and uh, Extreme Off-Road, do you remember him as a, you know, as a mini rider racing off-road events or uh, motocross? No, not at all. I I, I mean, so if you think about that, he just kind of burst onto the scene when he was, like a, a late teen- teenager, if I remember correctly. Just oh, yeah, in the, yeah just I in don't the remember West.
0: seeing... And I always wondered that too when Cooper was younger was because I was your dad's Destry Abbott. Exactly. Like, to me, Destry Abbott was just number one. I mean, there exactly. was anybody on the West Coast in the off-road scene that was just cooler than Destry Abbott. And so, and I always wondered that and then um, just observed over, the, over as the years passed that I remember starting to see pictures and videos of him riding. Mm-hmm. And then um, I always thought that that was super cool because I'm like, oh, now Destry can enjoy that with his son and then look at where they're at now. Right. He's racing at the same level that Destry was or higher um, competition-wise. Yeah,
1: so uh, to me, that's a great example of Destry just, you know, he could have pushed and forced and his son at an early age, but I, I don't know the inner details of, of what he did or didn't do, but outside looking in, it seemed like, he probably provided his son opportunity to ride and have a bike whenever he wanted to. But Cooper probably wasn't particularly passionate about it when he was a lot younger. And now you look at him and he's an absolutely incredible rider. And that to me is proof that just because your kid's not a superstar at age eight or 10 or 12, don't worry about it. (laughs) Just keep it focused on fun. So
0: when you were at that stage, when I was younger eight, 10, 12, 14 years old. Was that something all that you just described that was
1: proactively on your mind when we would go riding. Um, again, I think it varied based on each, cause you're a father now you see the difference in personalities in your children. And I think it varied based on who I was maybe interacting with because you and your brothers are all three very different personalities. And, um, you know, we, we tease you, but you remember as a, you, you were always a little bit more competitive, uh, as a, as a child, as far as wanting to organize racing or whatever. And I remember going camping and riding with all your buddies and your, your friends. And some of them, you know, you were always wanting to line them up and race and do these little mini motos and whatnot. And they weren't always as, um, as interested in it as you were. And that's again, not a right or wrong or good or bad thing. That was just your personality versus uh, you know your friends or your brothers. So I think the answer to that is it, it depends on who I was, who I was interacting with. You know, each of your brothers have different skill sets. Um, Kobe's an amazing rider all the way around, but he's uh, very very good on a track. Um, uh, Benj is super tall and s- super good technical rider. In fact, I mean he could be. He could be a extreme enduro rider. Oh, yeah. If he really, I mean, Definitely he's really, really there. good. And, um, you've always been very, very good in all disciplines, but, um, you have a slightly different riding style than your brother's as far as, um, uh, just kind of this very, uh, consistent, smooth ty- type of style. You don't ever, you know, appear super aggressive and, um, and, and that's the way you've perfected your you're and your brothers have, have done it in a slightly different way and you're all amazing writers.
0: Which is weird because I don't feel like that. And that's something that oftentimes I've asked you, especially when we've at, we've been at really um, big or large-scale events, particularly mm-hmm. the international ones or different events where I'm actually trying to apply myself the best I can. I've asked you, I mean, what what's some of the things that you can see different between some of the other guys and myself? And one of the things that's always come up is just the the outward appearance of intensity. And it's so weird because inwardly I always feel like I'm I'm hundred and ten percent, especially in those situations like a special test. But then I watch videos of myself and yeah, I would agree. It doesn't it's 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 a lot more passive writing style or just a little bit smoother. And so I don't know. That's something that I've tried
1: to Yeah, and I sometimes I even fear giving you saying that because I don't want it to come across as I think you're not being intense enough. It's simply a writing style. And to me, it's actually a compliment because you're a, you are a student of the art and discipline of writing. And that's what makes what you're doing with ride with the Knights and, and with the training that you offer uh, valuable in my opinion, because you're a student of the, of the sport and and again, when you ride, I don't see, you're not like a Justin Barsha or, or a Jason Anderson or somebody like that with this super aggressive, you know, hanging off the bike. You just, you arc turns, you, you are smooth through obstacles. Um, it's like I said, that's, that's your style. But then if I were to compare that to others in the off-road world, or even your brothers they're they, they have a slightly different. You know, different style. Uh, for those who may not know, so our my other son Ben participated in the ISD in France this past August, and he, he's a lot of fun to watch in special tests because he's he's kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Tall, tall lanky <laughs> son He's six five. He was riding a Beta three hundred two stroke, um, and you could hear him a mile away yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he he rides with a little bit more. Yeah. Flair and finesse. And he's, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch. And then just two years prior to that, or excuse me, the year prior to that, Kobe participated, uh, at the six days in in Italy with you. And, um, I'd, I'd probably put him somewhere in between as far as riding style and, uh, the way I observed and watched him. And he's, like I said, he's an amazing, incredible rider as well.
0: So between I've done five ISDs, Benji's done one, Kobe and I did the same one, and then we went to Mexico before I I participated in my first one. So you've been to seven ISDEs, you trail ride, we've been trail riding and racing for practically two decades now, Mm -hmm. and you're a rider who a lot of people and uh, riders in our local off-road riding community look up to you a lot, and so talking about riding styles and technique and stuff like that where does that come into play personally for you because it's it's sometimes really hard for me because it's only really been in the last five or six years honestly since i've got back from my mission where i've really changed how i approach writing a lot more Mm -hmm. and been a lot more essentially just mindful right um i could i could easily define my whole writing career into kind of two major phases one where I was not very mindful about what I was doing, I was just focused on forward. And this second phase, the last five or six, seven years, that has been this sort of mindful approach to everything that I do on the motorcycle. Where do you feel like that fits into your career?
1: Well, I would say, you and your brothers are far and away better, uh, students of the, of the art and discipline of riding than I am. I admit at my age, I've I've probably developed some bad habits over the years. Here's what's interesting. So here's the way I kind of see my, my progression. Again, I didn't write up, I didn't grow up riding and racing. I grew up riding a little, I wasn't, you know, unfamiliar with bikes. I, I rode a little bit. Um, and as far as like my, my, when you guys were younger i think i was actually a little bit more mindful because i was i was in that curve of learning because i hadn't really done a lot of racing until i was an adult and so when you're you're new to something the learning you're like a sponge the learning just comes and comes and you progress you know you see it all the time you watch a kid who's um racing at the novice uh, level, whether it motocross or off-road. And in two years time, you know, you, you literally, you, you watch kids progress to the pro level or a, a or double a level in that short amount of time. So if I was to, to relate that to my own experience, I was kind of going through that when you guys were younger and just starting to, to ride. So that's when I would probably, you know, I, give you guys a little more advice or or read and observe things and then try to share that with you. Um and then I think there was a period of time where I just sort of plateaued a little bit uh, and was not as and it was probably about the time where you guys frankly started just getting as faster faster than me. <laughs> and then that's when my riding and racing tapered a little bit because then my focus shifted to spending a little bit more time with you guys. And then I've kind of gone through this new phase where over the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years or so, with you guys all being adults, being a little bit more financially independent and and uh, independent in other ways. Uh, so that's where I've started, you know, riding and racing a little bit more. And now I find myself actually learning from you guys, <laughs> it's literally like the teacher has become the student because things that I feel like I used to teach or uh, coach you on now I'm like, Oh, okay. That's how they're, that's how they're doing it. Or, or how are they doing it? How do they go through that so fast? Or how, why are they able to corner so much better than me? I mean, you guys all blow me away and turn tracks. Like, just completely blow me away. So I go riding with you guys and now I'm the one trying to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. But when we trail ride and I've told other people this as well, I have a hard
0: time, especially lately, unless the conditions are really good where I have great visibility and really good traction. Um, I have a hard time really pushing to the same degree that I can during a race. And I think that's where some of my success has come from in some of the races that I've done is I feel like I have an ability to kind of, focus a little bit extra when it comes time to race and I can execute it when the time is right. But I think that, uh, I think that you're often a little too hard on yourself when it comes to the, to the techniques and stuff. And especially just from the fact that, uh, I mean, when we go out trail riding still sometimes, I mean, there, there, there are frequently times where I go out with you and, and, I'm shocked sometimes about how fast you go just when we're trail riding. And I'm like, man, I I feel like I should be the one where everybody's maybe trying to hang hang on to kind of my pace. But that's never the case when we're trail riding. I always feel like when we're trail riding, we ride very similar. If not, sometimes you ride faster, especially in the desert when we're trail riding. But I think when it comes to the technique for you, um, something that I've observed is that I think that you do, I mean... There's so many things that you do that are, I mean, correct or things that you have learned over the last 10 or 15 years riding that have, that allow you to go at the pace and the efficiency uh, that you do across obstacles and terrain, because, um, I mean, there's no way you can perform the way that you do and put in results that you do and go as fast as you do for as long as you do without doing certain things correct. So yeah, there's there's a handful of, I mean, small bad habits here and there that, I, that I've collectively observed across all off-road riders. And mm-hmm. I think that there's just a lot of things about riding off-road that just produce these bad habits, like riding the rear brake a lot yep. and poor foot positioning and different things like that, that motocross riders tend to focus a lot more on. And so those are some of the corrections that I've tried to make. But Simple things that, and that's usually where our focus goes is like foot positioning and stuff like that, because that's kind of like the obvious one that we have been working on a while and that we talk about. But I think there's, I think there's components to technique that you do that are actually far more important than foot positioning that you execute literally like flawlessly. And I think that one of the biggest ones is just hip positioning Mm -hmm. um, and getting your weight back. I mean, you could take any picture You could take any video of you riding over the last 10 years and you're doing that every time if you're going fast. And so that's stuff that, um, and that's, that's kind of a hard perspective or a hard point to be at because I try and share these things with riders now and teach them, but they weren't necessarily things that we were ever proactively practicing for a long time. So, but I like to think of it in a way that that is proof that the, only way to go fast on a motorcycle is to do it that way and that's how we learned it it wasn't that we were at the time proactively saying okay we're going out on a trail ride everybody practice unlocking your hips getting Mm -hmm. your weight back so that you can hinge and that you can maintain some traction and, and utilize your body's natural movement we weren't we never said that once ever it was always we were just going faster and we were figuring out ways and we were all sensitive enough to traction to speed and to all of those different things, and it allowed us, and it kind of forced us to accommodate our body positioning.
1: Yeah, no, I I would totally agree with that. I feel like uh, just by riding and naturally being aware, you just you you actually develop some good, a lot of good habits because you almost have to. Because without doing, just like you said, the example of of unlocking your your hips or, or maybe even your foot positioning or something like that. Uh, But again, I think there's probably even a few bad habits occasionally or whatever that I may have developed, but I think naturally it just comes with spending time on a bike and riding with people. And it's not all me because think about it over the years, we've ridden with so many people. That's what I love about the off-road riding community. Um, we have, if I really stop and look back and it's not like we have, you know, spent all of our time mingling with and hanging out with the best of the best, but the reality is you, I mean, you've, you at an early age, you know, think about to Mexico and when, and for those listeners, uh, in two, in 2010, I attended the ISDE in Mexico, not as a writer, but as a support person for, uh, several friends, three, it was a very unique situation. There were three riders from Utah, um, Corey Pincock, Sean Strong, and Jake Vanillo. And Jake was from Finland, who lives in Utah, and he was a former Junior World Trophy rider um, and literally grew up just being groomed for uh, off-road and ISD enduro-style events. And there you were as a 15-year-old kid at that phase where you were just soaking it all up, And everything from not just riding a bike, but like the way Jake trained and taught us and coached us how to how to change tires or the way he ate, the way he um, mentally prepared, the way he rode his motorcycle. I mean, those those were priceless experiences. Corey was a uh, former world uh, trials rider and is still to this day, you know, recreationally an amazing trials rider. And so you learned some incredible things uh, from him. Sean was a, 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 an excellent and an amazing off-road rider locally and even at the national level in certain events. And uh, and was, although just a few years older, he was just old enough where, you know, you kind of looked up to him and idolized him. And and he's been very, very good and kind to you and, and giving you advice. So my point in all of that is it was not just... Me Because a lot of times, I think any parent can appreciate this, when you say something as a parent, your kids don't always listen, but when somebody else who they respect says the exact same thing, they, they listen. Uh, so my point in all that is you've had this unique opportunity to be exposed to a lot of folks like that. And not just you, I mean, again, your brothers, your friends, other people, and it just naturally happens as you spend time in the motorcycling world, whether it's riding or racing. And again, it's not all about racing. I mean, it could just be trail riding and yeah. you'd have the same thing.
0: Yeah. I, uh, um, why? Well, two things. One, I have, a. there's a lot of people that sometimes have a hard time realizing how passionate I actually am about trail riding and that we really are. Yeah. And... I don't think that I could ever not race because then I go do racing and that's a big <laughs> part of it too. But, um, I mean, I love trail riding just as much and some of my best experiences on a motorcycle have been, I've been trail riding. But what I was going to ask on that earlier note is, uh, why is it in the off-road community that you so frequently encounter people of that, um, just that magnitude of, and that character?
1: I. I think it's just because it's a smaller world than you really think and in, in the off-road riding and racing community. Uh, the, another person that comes to mind who I realized I just failed to sort of mention was, uh, Greg Gillian, you know, and if you said Greg Gillian to somebody like in the local riding and racing community right now, nobody would necessarily even know who that was, but Greg was kind of a, uh, a transplant to the local racing scene back in like 2005, 2006 timeframe, frame came out here to Utah from West Virginia. He was a GNCC racer, uh, multi-time ISDE rider and racer. And uh, if I remember correctly, he was even on either the junior or world trophy team uh, in his early career at the ISDE. And he did the same thing. He, he came out here. Nobody really knew what the ISD was or really followed it. And then you took an interest and others did. And then he just took you under his wing a bit and, and helped and, gave you advice and counsel and all sorts of things. So I mentioned him just because I failed to, but then also to answer your question, um, I, I see him at the phase you are now, where he was still a really, really good writer, still entirely capable, but frankly was just at a different phase and stage of life where you know, his priorities were shifting and you want to share the knowledge and you want to share the experiences. And so I see the way you interact with some of these younger riders and who look up to you or have for several years. And I know that you would love to just take somebody like that under your, I mean, you do it already and, um, you know, give them advice, give them input, give them feedback. And I think it just naturally comes. I mean, we've met some amazing people in the off-road world. And again, it's not exclusively to racing. I mean, if we had done nothing but trail riding, I feel like we would have still expanded our circle of riding friends. We would have met uh, a lot of great people. So, why
0: is it? Um, I mean, was there ever any intention when we were younger to make this a, as big of a component of, of our lives as it is now? Because it's pretty, <laughs> uh, it's a pretty big, it's pretty large. Um, pretty large part of our lives and yeah it's pretty much my life. And so <laughs> and that's what Jessica and I were talking about last time where when I was describing to her kind of before we got married, I mean, I just, and we talked a lot about it where I pretty much laid out two things where one, I was like, it's not, it's not that important to me. In fact, it's not important at all to me that you ride or that you race. It doesn't matter. I would just appreciate if you supported that and I want you to know how much this actually means to us and what we and what we do and so it's been really fun watching jessica go from the observer of seeing oh this is how josh and his family live to now she's just part of it that's and she and she enjoys it and sees it and and wants to do it as well
1: to answer your question The short answer is no, it was never like the intention, just like with what we just said earlier about racing. It was never about, okay, well, we're gonna start racing and this is the goal and the objective. It was purely, we like to ride motorcycles, whether we're trail riding, whether we're racing, whether we're just hanging out with our buddies, we're camping um, and everything else was just sort of a byproduct of it. Um, So no, I didn't ever envision that when you were, you know, riding a, a, a mini bike, a TTR 90 monkeying around with your, with your brothers or your friends, did I think that you would be doing what you're doing now with ride with the Knights and it being, you know, this core component of your life. Um, and I didn't see your brothers doing what they do, you know, both still involved in the industry in different ways. Um, no, never in a million years. In fact, we joke about it, but if I could take, if we could go back in time and take, you know, 12-year-old you and 10-year-old Kobe and 8-year-old Bench and say, okay, let's flash forward, you know, 10, 12, 15 years and say, okay, between the three of you, you would have all competed in the six days. You know, you would have been creating videos, not just totally for fun, but, well, still for fun, but, you know, on a more professional level um Kobe's involved in you know directly involved in in the Supercross with Rocky Mountain and and hosting their their uh, Fantas their SX experts show um he's been exposed to so many incredible opportunities through that uh Benjamin has been involved in uh uh you know building and maintaining and bikes working at multiple dealerships I, I mean it, it's it's crazy. No, I would have never ever imagined that. But again, it's just a byproduct of doing something that you love.
0: And that's that's what you said right there at the end is really what I try and share with a lot of a lot of people as well. And that's something that, whether it be train videos or or whatever, I mean, anytime I run into people or bump into them, um, I, I see people being hard on themselves, trying to perform better to to correct different things or whatever and to make it something but to me at the end of the day it's it and that's something that hasn't ever changed for us there's been times where it's fluctuated where we've been more serious about different Mm -hmm. things but i think it's just been built on this underline this just solid foundation of just making it fun and just and just doing it making it fun and doing it because we just want to do it and so that's why for me when i see people that ride or race at a at a similar level to us, uh, whether it be in the same class, uh, the same speed or to the same frequency attending different events and stuff, and then sort of fall away from it and kind of take a break. I mean, I respect anybody that needs to kind of take a break from something for, for whatever reason, but people that may step away from it, I can't even fathom that because to me, it's (laughs) just, I mean, I just, and that's where I'm at now where I just want to set up, uh, I mean, I just feel like I've, I've tried to set myself up in a position where I can just ride and enjoy it for, for, for a long, long time for years to come. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's key because we've, we've talked about the fact that, you know, as much as we like, well, every time I go out and I have a really fun race, I'm like, Oh man, I just I can't wait to do this again. I want to do that again. And then I go and I do something like a real, just an incredible trail ride. And then I'm like, Oh I just, this is all I want to do. I just want to go trail riding every weekend. I don't even care about racing. And then I'll go do like a, I mean, I'm honestly, I love like dual sport riding and adventure riding. And there's just something uh, that's kind of liberating about just taking off and pointing your motorcycle in some direction and going a hundred, couple hundred miles out into the desert, deciding where you're going to pull over and spend the night and camp. And I absolutely love that. And then sometimes I'm like, why don't I just do this more? I mean, this is just awesome. I just want to go explore more. And then I realized, well, it's because I love to do all, all of it. And I think the diversity and the fact that that's what keeps motorcycling fun for me is that I'm not exclusive to one discipline necessarily. And the common denominator and all of this is just, I get to enjoy it. I, I mean, if you ask me right now and this might change depending on the phase of life I'm in and my age or whatever, I mean, but the thing that I love the most is, is probably just a really good trail ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. if I'm honest and, and when you bridge, when you bridge your ad, maybe just a little bit of an element, like, you know, like what I did, like with the tour of Idaho, for example, cause then it's kind of like adventure riding, but yet, there's this little element of strategy and competition, so to speak, and so that was like this it's mixture. Nice of, blend. Yeah, it was a mixture of like dual sport, and adventure riding, trail riding, and it, and it's not a race. It absolutely is not a race. But there was some parameters to it. There's sort of these rules, and and uh, so that kind of added the, the element of even though it's not a race, there was this element of almost like competition of sorts. Like, okay, I I, I have a goal and I want to I'm going to do this. So, yeah. If I if I could do nothing, it, I'd probably go trail riding. Yeah. I, when you sorry it, to disappoint all the racers out there, but <laughs> that's what I
0: would do. When you put it in that perspective, if you would, if you were to ask me, and I would, I would never choose between the two because I like them both too yep. much. But if you said you would, you could either just race for the rest of your life or just trail ride. Yep, that's probably actually pretty easy for me, and I would just say trail ride. Yep, it's uh, as much as I love racing, which it's so, probably for some people yeah
1: so that's that's kind of an interesting comment because and again there's not a right or wrong there's this isn't this is simply an observation but we've grown up and we've known a lot of people who are involved were involved in racing and they literally like never would trail ride oh yeah and we always thought that that was interesting and curious and that's not that isn't necessarily a bad thing it was just we always felt bad that they were like what do you mean just you've racing. never been here or yeah, here you've never, gone, or here you've or never here. gone to the single track trails? Exactly. And the mountains. You've never gotten up and just ridden eighty miles of trail all day long. You know, there as much as we love setting up turn tracks and and that kind of thing or racing for there's us t- there's, there's too just, much out there. There's there's so much more. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. I meet
0: people that Yeah, I can't I I can't fathom that either. Where sometimes I I've met lots of different riders where they just only go to the races and never have gone on different trail rides. And if they just haven't ever experienced it because the opportunity hasn't been there or they weren't really aware of it, then I invite them and I say, well, this is what, this is what we do. And I love it. It's a lot of fun, but every once in a while, there's people that uh, may just not be interested in that sort of thing. They just kind of thrive off the competition part of it. But um, the trail riding for me, I mean, that's where, whether it be racing or riding, I mean, just, there's just this archive of just memories and experiences yep. and lessons and trials and adversity just throughout my whole life that's just built and shaped me and just guided me into this spot where I'm at right now where mm-hmm. so many of the things that I think about um, or just particularly with, with responding to adversity yeah, is just, it falls back on experiences learned while riding motorcycles.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've always uh, – and it's not that it's always intentional. It just naturally happens, and this is just the reality of being a parent. But there were always life uh, lesson opportunities in, in, uh, in writing, and I could go on with all sorts of examples, I mean, just a couple of simple ones that come to mind. And this isn't even the writing part of it, but I look back on – the hours and hours spent sitting in a truck or a van or a motorhome, going to and from either a trail ride or a race—typically more racing when we were driving further distances—and think about as a parent, those of you parents out there, um, having your child captive for four or five hours—you can't, you can't, um, you can't f- fabricate those. Uh, those conversations that just naturally occur when you're spending that much time together uh, just to be able to communicate, to talk and talk about things that you probably would never just sit your child down and say, okay, we got, we got 15 minutes. Let's have a conversation about this. That just doesn't happen, but spending that much time together does. So whether it's motorcycling or whatever else it is to me, it's again, it's not so much about motorcycling as it is spending the time, together so that those types of experiences can organically happen. And then to contrast it or not to contrast it, but to extend that sort of idea or theme, I I think of countless times when you guys were on racing, when you were on minis. And then as you progressed, I, I look, I remember once, um, racing out in Wendover, Nevada, you were riding in '85. Your brothers were on TTR '90s, and I was the nervous dad waiting for you guys to come back in the pits. And all of a sudden, I see two TTR '90s come over the hill back towards the pits. And that, and uh, Benjamin had broken his chain, and Kobe had come upon him. And rather than leaving him, he stayed with him. And then I don't remember exactly all that happened, but somehow they came back together. And then I think you know I can remember instance where you came upon Kobe when he was out there on a TTR 90 and he'd crashed and, so, and done his something key. and then he'd he his key off or key something. Off. Right. Yeah. I remember that. And then, he and then, key and started. yeah. And then you, f- you fast forward years later and I think about, God, I mean, again, I could go on and on. I think about being at Idaho city enduro and coming around a corner in a special test and finding bench off in the bushes and he was okay, but he had had a mechanical issue and, uh, I mean, but he and then he ended up basically getting it not necessarily fixed, but rode another 20, 30 miles without a rear rotor and no rear brakes. And he was still going faster downhill than I was. And so there's just there's all these little lessons in that is about doing hard things, persevering, overcoming, um, working through your fears and anxieties, um, helping other people. Gosh, I mean, I could go on and on and on.
0: I was gonna say, do you regret? Do you regret any of it? Um, any of the, the the just the whole experience
1: and the the timeline of it all. The short answer is is no. I feel like I would have some regrets if I had pushed you guys so hard that you resented something. And I, I'm not perfect in that. I hope hope I mean. To my recollection, I don't remember ever that really being the case. And so, no, I don't have any regrets. Um, your mom and I talk a lot about, again, you, you gotta be wise in the use of your time and where you prioritize motorcycles relative to, as much as we love them in our family and in our lives, I think we all recognize the where they fall on the level of priority with other things in life. But they are a big part of our lifestyle. Um, but I think about all of the different trips and all the different races and all of the different things that we trail rides that we've gone and all the places we've explored. And it would have been really easy in those moments to say, you know, gosh, I, it's just too hard to make that happen, or you know, gas is too expensive, or different things. And that's I so I say there's a balance. I'm not suggesting you would be um, financially uh, unwise. I, but I'm saying I don't look back on a single instance and think, oh gosh, I'm glad that, you know, I didn't spend that $50 or that hundred bucks on gas to go to that event. Or I'm so glad that my van only has 120,000 miles on it instead of 180,000 miles. Because I mean, literally like I look back a decade later and it doesn't even matter. In fact, I, I would, I would have regrets if I hadn't had all of those experiences, those things just literally don't matter. The only thing I remember was the places we went and the experiences we had and the time we had together. That's what I remember, not-
0: That's what you keep with you. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you keep with you is the experiences. Absolutely. So morally, like talking about looking back on um, how that whole timeline and just where, just what's gotten us to where we're at today, And morally, something that I think a lot lot about lately is, uh, I mean, we just passed through Easter, and as a family, we try our best to, I mean, honor the Sabbath day, and, and we just spend a lot of time reflecting on the life of Jesus Christ, and so growing up, as we look at 10 or 15 or 20 years of riding and racing, I've observed and formed my own sort of beliefs and and thoughts around kind of how we navigate um, this component of our lives that's so important into kind of the eternal timeline and so and I think that that's something for me that that for I guess to simplify it one of the one of the easiest ways to point it out is sometimes I mean we don't necessarily, want to ride motorcycles on, on Sunday or, Mm -hmm. or not want to participate in a race just to honor the Sabbath day. And, and, uh, but over time I've, I've, I look back on where our family has gotten together, every member of our family, all of us. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, if you look back at the last 10 times that that's happened, probably eight out of the 10 times were because of motorcycles or at some type of motorcycle event or, or something, and so it's not necessarily. Um, I mean, there's there's no way to just. It's. I mean, in in one way, it's kind of trying to justify it in a sense, but at the same time, it's just something that uh, I'm not really shameful about anymore. When I think of it, just as it pertains to our family, if you just isolate just that and how it works within our family, I think that. Uh, I mean, I love it. I mean, I love. Yeah, I mean, we just all signed up for Idaho city and yeah, we're going to ride our motorcycles and race on Saturday and Sunday, but I, uh, I think that it just brings us closer.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a very fair point and, um, uh, I don't want to be somebody that's perceived as speaking out of both sides of my mouth or whatever, but I think, and it's real easy to rationalize whatever, but I think, uh, for us, it, it's all a proper balance and keeping it, you know, if in, in, in context, uh in the bigger picture, if I'm, you know, able to be together with my entire family and have those memories and experiences um, with, within a proper balance or within reason of the, uh, my other commitments and, and obligations and, and beliefs, then, you know, then I apply discretion in, in that. And I, I think for us, that's worked. Um, I, I can recognize or appreciate that for some others that might not, or they may not feel or believe the same way, but again, everything is to be kept in proper context. I know where my family is as far as, um, or what I want my family to be and, and those kinds of things. And so that, that is important to me. Um, but again, we talk about motorcycles, we sit here, but I feel like, um, we've, we we have learned so many life lessons that apply in things outside of motorcycling, but that have come from that. Um, I, as, a, as an occupation, am not directly involved in motorcycling, maybe in the same way that you are, say, for example, with Ride With The Knights. But there are a lot of things I've learned about, um, you know, the way I want to treat people or I want to interact with people or the way I want to try to do hard things and or the way I want to apply a certain discipline toward a certain task. And, and I don't want to suggest that motorcycling has a monopoly on that. I think that the reality is there's a lot of interests and hobbies and things that people can do where they can learn a lot of those same things. Um, But for us, I think it's been healthy and productive to have an outlet where we have something that brings us together as a family and gives us those, you know honestly the opportunities to see the places that we've seen i mean we've we've been fortunate we've not only seen the world but we've we've probably explored more of the the western united states than 99.9% of the rest of the population oh, yeah. Yeah. even even if they're outdoor enthusiasts just it just inherently comes by the the, um, the amount of miles you travel and yeah. the places you see
0: yeah, motorcycle riding definitely doesn't have the monopoly on learning how to do hard things and teaching life lessons because there's a lot. I will always stand by that motorcycles and motorcycle racing has the upper hand in a lot of cases <laughs> <Yep>. for <laughs> a variety of different reasons, being that it's just you. Um, there's a lot of different a lot of different things going on in motorcycle riding, but one thing that I think motorcycle riding does have the monopoly on is your ability to see the world geographically. I don't think there is anything. I, there's nothing you can, no piece of equipment or machine. You can, I guess maybe a jet, but (laughs) that in that you can't, you're not on the ground. It's not as close. So like horseback, hiking, Jeeps, razors, whatever, four wheelers, it doesn't compare to where you can get mountain bikes, e-bikes. You can't get and cover the terrain and see it in as intimate of a way as you can on motorcycles.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree there. I, I love the places that I've been able to see and explore. And again, you're limited to those areas where motorized recreation is allowed, but even, even just the places we've traveled, you know what I mean? I'm like, there's, there's highways and back roads and places that I've been, that, that I'm going somewhere to go motorcycle riding <laughs> that I would never ride or explore or drive or whatever. Um, if, if it wasn't, I mean, I, I'd I'd, pro- I'd stick to the freeway and I would just get to where I'm going kind of a thing. So yeah, there's, we obviously have a bias, but oh, yeah.
0: I mean, but, I think back to serving my, my mission and I was in Colombia, and I was in different cities or different towns yeah. and I was always on foot And so I was able to meet the people and experience the culture in a way that you can't in any other form. But geographically, when you just isolate just that, just seeing the country and the mountains and the terrain, sometimes I felt uh, just a little discouraged because I felt like I knew places in the world where I had only spent two weeks. I felt like I knew them better geographically than even places where I was living for months on end. And so I tried my best at times to maybe go on hikes or, mm-hmm. or do different things, but it's just hard because we were we were working and serving, and so. But I think back to Germany and and Italy and and I can paint a topographical map in my head sometimes. Not so much Germany. Germany was kind of just a blur, but <laughs> some of the other ones I can I can see the lay of the land and where we went and where the course went and. Uh, and that's.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys have always said this, and you, you and your brothers, um, after you've had the opportunity to have done the six days multiple times, such a unique opportunity. Because you know, when we've gone to Europe, we haven't gone and like toured the Vatican or done some of these different things. Now we've tried to take advantage of some cultural opportunities while we've been in these countries, but I mean, you guys basically have ridden each a thousand miles or kilometers um, in multiple foreign countries and you're not just, you're not riding the highway. (laughs) You you're riding. You guys always joke about it, but literally the backyard of some farmer's barn through his pasture up into the forest down some little back road. I mean, you're covering ground that you literally would never, ever, ever have the chance. Even if you backpacked across Europe all summer, you wouldn't, you would not see the same things. Um, And, and motorcycling is what's, what's given you that opportunity. Another comparison is, you know, I do love to hike. I love to mountain bike. I love to backpack and you get a different experience doing those things. And, but I, I always contrast, especially in the summer when we're riding the backcountry, in the mountains primarily. And I think, you know, a, a, a big day backpacking would be like, say 10, 12 miles or something like that. And that's just a primer. You know, you're just barely getting warmed up and we'll cover 80 to 100 miles of of a mountain range. And I just love how much country you get to see uh, by doing that. Again, that's um, based on the assumption that there's motorized recreation in those areas. But even... When I, when I think about like Idaho and stuff and some of the wilderness areas that surround the general region in which we do ride, and you can't ride in the wilderness areas, but you're still circumnavigating them, or you're getting close to them, and you can see into the range, and you're uh, you're just again, you're just getting exposure to places that you just you just couldn't cover by foot.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I like about ISDE is it's often held in areas that are conducive for a motorsport event rather than an area that's touristy. Right. And so sometimes when we've gone, well, every time we've gone, I felt like you we've enjoyed a more genuine experience of the culture and a more raw version of what that area is like Yeah. and how the people live and the country really is versus had we gone that's- and hit all the the main touristy stuff. Bucket yep. list Yep. destinations. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And uh, I think back to just all of the different... Uh, I mean, I think back to Germany and the position that you and mom were in. Um, and that had you... Had we gone back to that time and told you that you would have gone six more times and spent probably ten times as much money, <laughs> I don't know if you would have made the same decision you did then. Um I know you still would have, but, um, like that was probably the most unique one out of any of them For because sure. it was the first one. I mean, there's a lot that you could unbox there. It was the first one. It was our whole family and it was Germany, which had a little bit more special meaning to mom. And so, yeah. I mean, that was a big, uh, decision. And when you talk about the money and I love the example of sharing, I mean, I, mean I think a great example is saying, "Oh, I I wish I would have had that eighty bucks or something." But I think the best example is is with the mileage on the car too. I mean, <laughs> saying I wish I had one hundred twenty, but just talking about the money, I mean, I think that's that. I mean, at the time, and I go through that constantly. Um, and I, but when it's when it's relevant to a trip like that or a huge monumental experience, I think that it's it's just so much more important.
1: Yeah maybe just for context for somebody listening who doesn't know exactly what we're talking about here. And again, I'm not, uh, I think it'd be real easy to walk away and think that I'm somehow suggesting you'd be fiscally irresponsible and that's not, that's not it. But in 2012, Josh was 16, um, qualified for to ride as a member of team USA at the six days that the ISDE that was in Germany and his mom, my, my wife, um, she had spent her sort of adolescent years in Germany. So it was meaningful because we had this opportunity and she used to always tease me that she would never get me to Germany unless it was for something motorcycle related. So naturally we took it as an opportunity to go and kind of what Josh was alluding to is that, you know, we, we didn't have the finances or the means to make it happen. Um, so it would have been really, really easy to say we don't have the money. So I'm, I'm not saying that we just went into debt for it. Basically what we did is we worked our butts off. (laughs) We held fundraisers. There were many generous people who came through with sponsorships. We, I mean, my wife like literally made snow cones and sold t-shirts and made hamburgers. And I mean, we literally did everything that we could to scrounge up the money and we did. And so we paid for the trip. But it would have been really easy. So that's one of those life lessons where we, as a family, I mean, it was, and even it was even grandmas and grandpas and um, who were helping. I mean, your own grandma tried to sell jewelry, you know, ham, homemade jewelry to to assist. I mean, it, you name it. Um, and then we all went to Germany, and it wasn't just uh, Josh and his mom and dad; it was the whole family because we said this is a once in a lifetime opportunity we're going to make this happen. The whole family, the whole six of us show up and we were quite the spectacle and we didn't know any different. So we just show up and realize, you know, not everybody brings their entire family. I mean, there's a lot of family members, but a family of the age that we were was, was an anomaly. And then, like you said, that was, that was just the beginning. We ended up going (laughs) multiple, multiple times after that. 2023,
0: that was 2012. Yep. And uh so in the last and last year was the last time you went. So in that 10-year span you went what, 6 times? 6. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> experienced a lot of, a lot of ISD. Yep. Well,
1: we we're about uh <laughs> we about covered a lot of a lot of stuff during this call. We did. But it's been it's been good to kind of walk down memory lane a little bit and reflect on where we are today um you know i think okay well in in 10 12 20 years will we still be riding or racing or will motorcycles still be as big of a part of our lives i don't know i hope I so i think they will <laughs> yeah um you know i'm i'm uh 50 plus um and we go riding and and uh I talk to my buddies and friends and I say, you know what? I want to be those 60, 70 year old guys that are still, still get together and still go riding. It oh, doesn't yeah. mean we have to crank out hundred mile long days in the, in the mountains. Maybe we, maybe we tone it back and we do 30 or 40 miles or whatever, but still getting out I, I want, I want to be that guy. That's my goal. Yeah, I'm definitely, that's my,
0: that's my, that's my life. But, <laughs> but I, I mean where we're at is being able to enjoy it as a family and, yep. uh, and just go camping. I mean, that's, that's really what, what I want to do for yep, forever, but I agree. Sitting, riding till we're 16 or 70. That's uh, <laughs> I think that's everybody's, everybody's goal. So, well, I think that, uh, we could likely probably spend, uh, a lot of hours talking and just, uh, sharing stories and, and just talking about experiences that we've had and talking about how we can be better, better riders and better people. And and all sorts of different stuff, but, uh, I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. I think we should do it again. I, I enjoyed it a lot. If there's anybody listening and, uh, you kind of want to know more about right, how ride with the Knights came to be or what that means. And, or if you've got specific topics or questions, you think that we would, that you would actually like to hear and have us dive into a little bit more we're I'm, I'm happy to, to be a part of this again.
0: Oh yeah. We probably have, yeah. Get some <laughs> feedback from everybody. Yep and kind of layer that into see what kind of stories and different things we can extract. But yeah, we'll do it again soon. All right. Thanks. It's been awesome. Thank you.